Hello, you're very welcome to episode 26, season two of the Two Hands in a Hurl podcast. I'm your host, uh, Robbie Mansfield, and I'm joined by the editor-in-chief, uh, the great man himself, uh, Mr. TJ Mills. How's it going, TJ? Uh, not great today, Robbie. Uh, slightly no. under the weather. Slightly under the weather, but um, I think uh, worse. Have you got the Rona, or is it more to do with uh, your social activities? Uh, well... Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't drinking Corona now, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was social. Uh, I was down at the golf yesterday and I didn't drink properly in over a year, like, or well over a year. So uh, yeah, I, I kind of... Made it for out. last time. Yeah, yeah, I know, definitely. So yeah, I'm feeling the effects of it now. Um, I'd sleep on the bed of nails now this minute. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, so we'll crack on then. Um so kind of full on weekend of kind of GA GA action. Um, so we'll kind of start with uh, yesterday's games and we'll move on to today. So um, probably the game of the day yesterday was uh, Wexford and Kilkenny. It was uh, probably a classic game, lots of scores, lots of uh, controversy, um, kind of lots going on, lots to talk about with. Um, I, I presume you're just glad to get over the line, really. Yeah, I won't lie. I was kind of fearful going in um, to that game because you didn't really know what to expect from Kilkenny. You know with the Brian Cody team, they're always going to be battled, uh, ready for the battle and all of that. But with Wexford, you just didn't know they were um, kind of a shadow of themselves last year. They just didn't put up any performances at all. And the way Kilkenny um, literally battered them in the league, um, you you just didn't know what Wexford side would show up, but um, I was watching it on the phone when I was having a few, and yeah, no, I mean you have to be you have to be happy. And Kilkenny were kind of blending their play. I mean, this year with Connor Feeling coming in, they done it slightly a bit with DJ Carey last year. You could kind of see a change in the style of play we would have chanting about before, and they were able to kind of blended in with their direct attacking style and Walter Welch's goal came from that. So I'm going to play Kilkenny down, uh, but on yesterday's performance, I think we'd give anyone a rattle this year. Um, And I'm not saying we we will win Dollarn, but I say we'll come fairly close. Um, But... The, the next day be a big hurdle as well. I'm not surprised with the other the result of the other semi final one bit. So um we just take it how it goes, but scoring two thirty seven yesterday was was terrific like. Yeah, it's some going and uh, fair play to Wexford. You know, they kind of played their game, they played their part in like a a great game and there was kind of lots of different points where you thought Wexford were gonna pull away. Uh, and I was kinda of actually hoping that Wexford will pull away because after I put up in our group about Dublin winning and you said it was fluky, I was kind of hoping that uh, I'll be able to chop you down a bit. Uh, <laughs> I, won't lie smart... to... I won't lie to you. I forgot I even put that up. I know in all seriousness, that was only ripping the piss now. <laughs> ah, yeah, I know. But I was, gonna, I was hoping, you know, that maybe if Kilkenny had lost, it would have been kind of uh, instant sort of karma for you there now. But uh... <laughs> But uh, yeah, fair play to Kilkenny uh, coming out with it in the end. And what did you think of? Did you see much of the kind of Dublin game, or were you able to catch much of that? Yeah, I won't lie. I kind of was watching Bitsford down at the golf. Um, it's just I I say 
five five minutes or that here and there and I saw the end of it when it was went for a few socials after. Um yeah, I mean Dublin just seemed to dominate like I I by looking at it now, I won't lie and reading reports today. I think the experiment with Joe Canning in midfield backfired for Galway. Um, now, Joe's a great player and all of that, but I think if I was managing Galway, and I never will be because I would never be up to that standard, but I, I'd have him in at the edge of the square or, or in the forward line because when you're out midfield, you're, as everyone knows, you're further out and it's you have to be a different kind of type of a player there. I'm not saying Joe Cannon doesn't have the ability or talent to be out there because Joe is Joe. I mean, he's a great player and he can do some outstanding things, especially the sideline cuts he takes. But, I mean, I'd rather I'd rather him in closer to goal. I genuinely would. And um, an awful lot of people wouldn't have given Dublin the justice for their win over Antrim. We said it here before, Antrim are a really, really decent team. And I mean, the work that um, Darren Gleeson's doing up there. So Galway kind of coming in raw to the game. Dublin after, even though the scoreline shows they won well against uh, Antrim, Antrim are a good team, so they had to be really on the ball. But um, yeah, Dublin kill Kenny Leinster final. Um, I... I think it might be a, a too far a step up from Dublin, but compared to their performances last year where Matty Kenny would have been under a bit of pressure, I mean, it was a great win to get. And the reason why I wasn't surprised is Antrim are a really good team and for Dublin to do what they done. But also um, Matty Kenny was, as I said, under a lot of pressure. And if this is his final year up there, that he'd want to go out with... Um, a bit of fire, a bit of fire. Being honest, yeah, um, yeah. I was kind of actually myself very surprised Dublin won. Uh, I think you know Galway were for me would have been kind of red hot favourites to win, and I think just Dublin just really like kind of stuck it to them physically and kind of didn't let them get into a flow. And like one fourteen, the Galway scored. Like normally, like it, you know, we're talking about teams scoring loads. Uh, during the league and stuff like one fourteen, most teams be putting that up at half time, like you know. So um, definitely think that Dublin are going to have to play a little bit differently against Kilkenny, but uh, hopefully maybe we can watch that maybe in the pub or something. We'll uh, get a bit of banter going, TJ, and see how see who uh, comes out on the right side of that one. Uh, I'd say I'd definitely be on for it, but the way I'm feeling now, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> but I know definitely, yeah, no. Maybe if you uh, seven up or some planter for you instead. Uh, I know, I'm I, not going that way either. So I know I'd be <laughs> grand ready for action again tomorrow. <laughs> so we'll move on from the Leinster Championship to the Munster Championship, Munster Hurling. Uh, normal service resumed uh, with Limerick beating Cork. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. I, I questioned Limerick early stages, but it just shows the difference between league and championship. I mean, we're on about the Galway-Dublin game there and Galway were looked really, really good in the league. But when it came to the championship, they weren't up for it. Um, Limerick, I mean, they're, they're favourites for Dollar and still. It's as simple as that. And um, Cork had a really good league, a really good start to the league and then kind of weaned away towards the latter stages. Um 
I, I I don't know what to think of Cork. Now I didn't genuinely didn't see the game. I just saw the result and this morning. I won't lie to you, but um, it just I I don't know what what's happening Cork because they they can be completely hot and cold like um, and I mean two twenty two eight point or sorry uh, eight point win for Limerick. Um, by all accounts of what I read today, it could have been more. To be fair, and yeah, Cork, Cork not after winning an All Ireland since two thousand and five. It's it, I I don't think that will end anytime soon. Unfortunately for the Rebels. Yeah, and then they make a strong team. Are Cork playing Clare now, or um, I Leash are playing Antrim, and that's kind of a preliminary qualifier. And I think I I, I saw yeah I I I don't think necessarily it's I I I am not sure mm. Robbie I won't lie to you I saw the graphic coming up after the the Clare Tipperary game today and I forget I forget completely what it is there's an open draw when it goes after the first round or the first round of the qualifiers now the only one certs I know is it's Leash and Antrim are playing off first and then the winners, but I genuinely wouldn't bullshit. I genuinely don't know uh, who's playing who, being honest. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so we'll discuss that at a later date, I suppose. Um, just kind of moving on to today's games. And overall with the football, there's lots of uh, fairly predictable results. Uh, Dublin beating Wexford, despite kind of a strong performance from Wexford. And... Uh, just the rest of the kind of games are very predictable. Uh, the Kildare off the game was reasonably close, but other than that, a lot of kind of one-sided wins. Um, so in the hurling stake, there was a big uh, kind of controversial point. I don't know if you've seen Brian Lohan's uh, interview after the Clare to Berry game. He's uh, definitely a very, very angry man and probably justifi- justifiably. Uh, what did you make of that um, penalty decision? Uh, kind of justifies the rant I had a few weeks ago. I was kind of feeling guilty after doing it, but I think today, uh, today's um, what would you say incident in the Tipperary Clare game just summed up that inconsistency. I mean, there were warning signs, and I'm not going to turn it into a rant and make that, but there were warning signs in the league about inconsistencies between referees. If you're going to kind of introduce rules that could be controversial you need to go to say VAR or TMO route or something like that because it's not fair I mean James Owens is in for uh, a lot of what would you say abuse today and I mean the GA shouldn't be allowed or kind of putting referees in a position of doing it Um. I just think it just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. I mean, the reason why that rule was introduced is to prevent cynical and uh, cynical tackles. In other words, you were taking one for the team. I mean, there are four Clare players around the Tipperary player. I mean, the player that I, I it escapes me, but the player that committed the foul. Yeah, it was it was a free and it was a yellow card. But how you could say it was there was a goal scoring chance there, and um, then there are other games where they they were goal scoring chances and the referee just gave a yellow card and didn't give a penalty. And um, there was one last week and was it Watford Clare game or sorry yeah Watford Clare game and um, 
yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense, Robbie. And I mean, I think this mess and I mean, that could have been a decisive factor on Claire's performance because you concede a goal, to, a penalty and a goal with a decision like that. Heads are going to drop. It's bad enough conceding a goal. Um, but in other words, kind of... Now, I'm not saying it, it isn't Tipperary's fault either. I mean, they just go by the way the, the referee judges it. But you 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 never know now. And Clare could be exiting, exiting the championship because of that where they could be going on to a Munster final against Limerick. Yeah, that's fair enough. And uh, it's definitely kind of something they need to kind of look at. Sure, definitely have it kind of cleared up that... Um, it has to be like the last man. Even if you were to look at the um, the Owen Murphy incident in the Kilkenny game, where he was like the definite last man, there wasn't even like a, a defender beyond him. You know the way, like when they say last man, it's like last man and then the keeper. But with Owen Murphy, it was just him. Like you know what I mean? So like, that was obviously a clear indication of a, of a time when they when that rule was uh, it was it was the right call, if you know what I mean. Um, how can there be such a like disparity in like the decisions they're making or should the linesman not be, should he kind of, you know, for a decision like that, should he be kind of bringing in the, the umpires, the linesman and stuff? We're, we're very behind. I, I mean, it, it just like the, the biggest in, in, in consistency, sorry, is Hawkeye because you like, there was an incident last night on Murphy prevent or caught the ball. It went over the bar, went to Hawkeye and the point was awarded. You go down, play a game in Limerick. There's no Hawkeye. So where, I mean, if you're introducing now, I'm not saying Hawkeye is a bad thing. It's a good thing. I mean, the save t- Kilkenny and an all earned against Tipperary a few years ago. Um, but, I mean, if you're introducing something, it has to be widespread. I mean, and this is the thing. I mean, I trained as a referee. Everyone learns the same rules. You have a review. Um, referees are brought up and this is where they they try to remove the cynical play and all of that. And referees are being told maybe to harp on a certain rule. You see it with hand passing and all of that. But, I mean, it's... They need something. I mean, imagine having a quali- a qualified referees. Now, most umpires now are qualified referees. Lines people are qualified referees. So you have eight or sorry, six other officials. Um, you have a uh, sorry, a, the sideline assistant as well. A fourth official, sorry, there as well. What's stopping having? I mean, you look at Hawkeye and Crow Park. You have ex referees. Dickie Murphy is one of them. Um, up with Hawkeye and all of that. Why can they not introduce something to take the pressure straight away off of the referee? Um, I mean, you could imagine the pressure of having 80,000 supporters kind of glaring at you to make a tough decision in Croke Park. Like, I mean, I'm not justifying James Owens, but I think the current situation is unfair on referees, being honest. But... Um, they have to be there's too broad an interpretation of the rules as well they should be just clear set down guidelines in other words set down instructions that referees all referees should make the kind of the same decision on the same kind of incidents and that's where um it's too vague at the moment and the the rule in regard to a penalty for a foul 
um, when there's a goal scoring opportunity, there's too much um, vagueness about it and it's leading to referees being put under pressure and I think Son Julie, what you said about linesmen and umpires and all of that, that should be, that should be, they should be more power there. And um, yeah, I know, I, I sorry I turned it into a rant, but I just think it's ridiculous. Um, and then, I mean, interviewing managers after a game, you, you're, when you feel you're going to be robbed, you're only going to get the same answer no matter what. That's true, and fair point. Um, just to kind of something that's kind of linked uh, was kind of came up yesterday was that Joe Canning is going to overtake Henry Shefflin as top scorer of all time. Now I'm trying to ask you to just park your Kilkenny uh, bias there, just take your Kilkenny <laughs> hat off there, and you know I know what you're going to say with this. So I just want you to say to have a think about this uh, part of the question. Obviously, it's going to be like who's better, Henry or Joe. And obviously you're going to say Henry, but my question to you on this, right, is if you were to take Joe Canning and put him in to that Kilkenny team and you were to take Henry Shefflin and put him into the Galway team, do you think that, uh, like say, Joe Canning wins the same amount of All-Irelands or less or is a big factor for Henry? Now, obviously he's a great player. I'm not saying he's not, but is a big factor for Henry that he was in possibly the greatest team of all time as well so does that kind of if you were to just take them individually uh without the teams is it kind of like a, a bit more of a toss of a coin or do you think henry is the clear winner um looking at it in partially i think i would have to have henry shefflin above joe to be fair looking at it fairly um the reason why like joe canning and why be very early 30s now will overtake is Joe would have uh, Joe contribute more a game he'd be kind of the Tony Kelly type player that he could finish off now it's kind of like TJ Reid currently with Kilkenny um and I, I the thing about say with Henry was the moments of magic he was able to produce um and every county has it I mean our every decade with Kilkenny doors said he care DJ Carey Henry Shefflin and now TJ Reid. Um, it's it's a tough question because I I, I I am biased straight away. But it's when you're performing on the big days. I mean, Galway only won one All-Ireland all since 1988. And I mean, there's back in two, when was, 2012, Kilkenny were under serious pressure against Galway and it was actually the second half of that game that Henry Shefflin really showed his class because the players, which is very unusual for Kilkenny, the players around him were kind of lacking and Henry just really dug into that game. Um, and yeah, I, I, I can't answer, I won't lie to you, I can't answer it as impartial as you kind of want because um, I I still have I'd, yeah I I'd still have to go. I mean, when you have ten All Ireland medals and um, I I mean it was just a special era for Kilkenny, but I think if you put Henry Shefflin into Galway, I think Galway would have. Now I might be shocked for saying it, but I think Galway would have won an an awful lot of bigger games. I'm not saying it was all Joe Canning's fault or anything like that. 
but I I just think the the kind of the Dora that Henry Shefflin had would kind of I mean you look at the great Galway players that went by the likes of Damien Hayes and all of that um Ollie Canning and all of that it was actually a sin that they never won dollar and so I think even the likes of Watford if they had the likes of a Henry Shefflin there going in with the likes of Paul Flynn Ken McGrath all of that I I think they they would have gotten over the line and do you think uh, Joe is a more skillful player? Like you see, like his uh, sideline uh, pucks, and yeah, he's a regular. He's a regular free taker for Galway, and I know Henry wasn't. Like he was kind of on the freeze sometimes, or they had probably a greater selection of guys to take freeze, or they had different guys taken from the left or the right, or close in or far out and stuff. And sometimes Henry was kind of mixed in there as well. Um, like, would you have Joe like taken if you had them both in your team? Would you have Joe taking the freeze or? You definitely haven't taken the sideline pucks anyway. Yeah, I know. I if if you had a team, I I think I'd have Henry on him. Um, now to be fair, Joe Canning's free equalise. Uh, going back to the two thousand and twelve All Ireland, I mean that was some pressure shot. I mean it was right over on the sideline at the Hogan Stand, and I mean that was to to kind of to have another day out. Um, uh, like I, I think a better comparison at the moment. I know. I mean, Joe Canning. I, I kind of compare Joe Canning to TJ Reid. Being honest, it's kind of a versatile player. Um, Henry was kind of the workhorse in a sense. He did have. I mean, the goal that Henry got against Limerick in two thousand and seven, where he ran in and the little flick over. Uh, the Limerick keeper. I mean, he did have moments of magic, but um, if it was say DJ Carey against Joe Canning or TJ Reid against Joe Canning, it, it, it they're kind of a different style of players because TJ Reid can do magic, Joe Canning can do magic, where Henry Shefflin was kind of uh, a workhorse in a sense. He was able to gather the team around him and lead the team. Um, if you're to kind of look at it as leadership, I'd definitely be saying Henry Shefflin would be a better leader, being honest. He's um, not getting any change out of there anyway. You're definitely, uh, you're sick to your guns with uh, Henry there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, to be fair, I'm, I I think you would, like, it was just a great era for Kilkenny. Now, if it was a situation that Galway won as many All-Irelands, which I, they had the talent to do, being honest, and it, it, one of the toughest oppositions that Kilkenny ever had war Galway. I mean, I think it'd be a bigger rivalry than, say, Kilkenny-Wexford, Kilkenny-Cork, because the team that would have uh, defeated Kilkenny the most in semi-finals or that would have been Galway. Um, so now, later years, and I mean, Kilkenny-Tipperary rivalry as well. I mean, Kilkenny were not great against Tip going back the decades and that. But... Um, yeah, I, I just think on to win in All Ireland, it takes something great. And there, like it was mentioned, great players there that never did. So I think to be able to lead like that, I, I looking at it and try to look at it impartially, I would have to say Henry over Joe. But Joe still has a few years left, and you never know. Like, to win a few more All Ireland. Uh, we'll move on, Teach. We'll go on to. Um... Kind of a topic there. There was um, American sprinter uh, Shikari Richardson. She tested positive for uh, marijuana use, and now I think she's um, she's kind of banned from going to the Olympics now. 
So my question to you on this is, um, do you think that, like, because obviously, like, with recreational kind of drug use, it's not helping performance or it's not going to put them over the top in terms of competing or, like, for her herself as a sprinter, you know, um, I think she ran, like, 10.08 seconds of a sprint. Like, the marijuana is not helping her to do that, you know. So do you think that, you know, recreational kind of drug use um should be included as like a kind of a banned substance for athletes or do you think especially with like marijuana dash you know especially in the u.s there it's legal in some states or it should be like more of a country by country if it's legal in your country then uh, you should be banned from competing or what do you think on that um i think it's looking at it i think it's unfair because as you say there, if they're using speed or cocaine or something like that, that you could actually say it's kind of performance enhancing that would aid the performance. But I mean, I, I won't lie. I never, I never smoked it genuinely hand on heart. I never did. I mean, but it's kind of, um, what would you say? It'd be from everything I'm hearing. It'd be like alcohol. It's kind of a depressant in other words, what a, it, it kind of slows down your, your body completely. Um, I think the reason why they're coming down so hard on that is I think they're kind of looking at it that any drug use at all, no matter what. Um, I don't think it'd be necessarily, as you were saying, that they would have banned or stopping or going because it was they looked at it as performance mm-hmm. enhancement. I think it'd be kind of more along the the reputational aspect of the sport. I mean, you look at the kind of the controversy that arose when Leo Varadkar said he took drugs when he was younger or he tried drugs or whatever um, when he was questioned a couple of years ago. And, I mean, you could see the fallout from that. So you'd be looking at... um, You'd be looking at... I say the sport governing body was kind of looking at it as that you're a role model that you, you shouldn't be doing it. And just to clarify, that was an interview Leo Varadkar done that he said that he did try it. So, and just in case, but um, just that we don't get sued or anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully we don't get sued by the, the tarnished <laughs> Um But yeah, I say, I say that'd be, I say that'd be the issue. I, I wouldn't say it was down to the performance enhancing. I say it was just down to, to the reputational, reputational damage of the sport, being honest. Yeah, I can see like what you're talking about. Like you don't want an athlete, you know, that's a role model for kids, and they, they're taking hard drugs or whatever. Um, not that too many athletes would be able to do that. Um, I think though, like maybe in ten, you know, fifteen years, there probably will be a thing that's kind of marijuana probably becoming legal in lots of countries. I know it is in lots of states in the US, um, and in the NFL, they kind of have a thing where guys can take where they can smoke marijuana or do whatever at a certain point in the off season. But if they test positive, uh, like in a certain stage of preseason, then they're, they get go into like a rehab kind of program and kind of stuff like that. But I can definitely see it kind of changing for marijuana anyway, or cannabis. Um, you could argue as well with cannabis that can be used to help aid recovery and stuff like that. So, but I think maybe smoking a joint might be a bit different than uh, than using like you know um, the cannabis oil or whatever for recovery and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, probably uh, for the kids, you know, drugs are bad and stay away from drugs, kids. 
Yeah, one thing, and not to go off, but one thing I noticed, which I thought was very unusual, was um, I noticed some of the golfers vaping are smoking um, in Main Julia yesterday. Which, Calendar nerves. Yeah, which, I mean, it's totally, they can do whatever they want. Like, I vape myself, I mean, who am I to comment? But I just find it, it's just maybe, it's just something you wouldn't see. But yet years ago, going back and not to change back to GA, but you would have hearing of players smoking on the field. Like, it's yeah, very yeah. unusual, but it's kind of, it was that time, I like, you know, straight away the cameras wouldn't have been on the players when they were doing it because the television companies that get in trouble that it was shown. In other words, it was kind of um, sexifying smoking and all of that, like. But yeah. it was just something I spotted, but I thought it was bad. Like I was saying, I was vaping. I vaped myself. But still, if I was kind of walking up a fairway, I wouldn't think I'd do it, being honest. Yeah, because you're trying to be maybe an example for people. Exactly. Um, just to, We're going to move on to our next topic. So we're going to talk about Love Island. But before people are like, oh, my God, Love Island. We're not actually going to talk about the show because like, I haven't watched it or like that. But what I want to kind of talk about, is it something that you could you would want to do uh tj would it be something that you would be up for doing you know if you had the opportunity to go onto the show would it be would you accept the opportunity or do you think it would become better to have your kind of love life and private life uh just that in private so if you got a, a call from itv next year to go on the show what would you say it's a tough one, Robbie, because the most obvious thing that people I'd say people would say is no way. Um and that would have been my first um perspective on it. I mean I I would have kind of done good lots on radio and all of that and people would know your voice or hear or know you from that or whatever and it's a thing that I would never have been kinda of comfortable about. I won't lie to you. Now I was only on I mean, this is stream or stream to millions <laughs> around the world like i mean it's a completely different area than someone working in local radio like but i mean i i personally if you're saying that you could have a career set for life yeah you'd probably saying but there's absolutely two chances of that ever happening with me slim and none um it's i think it's i think it's sent in the wrong example robbie I mean, genuinely, it isn't. It isn't kind of set in the real world. I mean, it's the worst case of reality TV, I think, because it's the one aspect that people are trying to stray away from, in a sense. The perfect body image. Um, I mean, Donny, like you see six packs on it, but if I went on it, only six pack you see with me would be of maybe side or. <laughs> Budweiser or something like that. Yeah. Like, do you think they could do a more kind of body positive uh, type of violence? We're just kind of like regular people, not like you know superstar influencers. Just kind of regular, regular Joe Subs, you know. Yeah, it, it's a tough one, but w- would that get views? Like, I mean, it, 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 I think it would. You have people just having the crack and just being a bit mad, and because people tune in for the personalities and the drama and stuff as well. Like, you know. Yeah, I know I, I, I can't disagree with you. I mean, it's just, but you couldn't imagine someone with a beer belly going on to it. 
I mean, yeah, well, you never see any bald guys on. That's one of my major gripes with it as a bald man. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, another guy with hair. That's great. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I just think the, the idea of it is just ridiculous. I won't lie to you because, I mean, the like people are... We were on about there a while ago about people becoming famous and all of that and um, people have to struggle long and hard to try and get successful and all of that and then you have someone on making a maybe a show of themselves um and becoming famous overnight like and that isn't a gripe or anything i i genuinely wouldn't ever wish to be famous genuinely wouldn't because um once you're there in other words it's like a line out of only fools and horses uh, I, I don't like winning because um winners are the target like i'm paraphrasing there but that's the thing once you're up there on the pedestal you're a target no matter what and that's why there are so many unfortunate suicides with people that were involved are um there's three that i i i would have heard of that would have been involved with that show and i i think it's just setting a dangerous dangerous precedent so i mean it's I, I genuinely don't know, but yet you look at um, the likes of Instagram. You just need to look at Instagram to see some of the stuff that's on it. Like, Yeah, definitely putting out a huge pressure uh, body image-wise for our people. Uh, so that's a note to you from Love Island, I guess. Oh, definitely. And I won't lie to you, I never watched it. So it's... No, <laughs> no worries. We know that you don't have to out you here on, uh, on the podcast or whatever. It's okay. You can tell me <laughs> off it. Off, uh... <laughs> Off there, um, yeah. So we're going to move on to your uh, picks of the week. So obviously, Love Island isn't in there for you. So what? What is in your picks of the week? Yeah, there's one I would never have heard of it until it was on RT the other night, and I thought it was brilliant. It's called The Mule. Um, it's a film by Clint Eastwood, and I I don't think Clint Eastwood ever made a bad film. Being honest, I actually like Clint Eastwood as a an actor, and for him still to be working at nineties just phenomenal as well and um it's based about a grandfather um and it, it starts that his granddaughters uh get married and there's a part uh party there and he was approached by a guy at it and um he overheard clint eastwood saying that he loved driving um so the man said to him, well, I'd know driving jobs if you wanted and all you do is drive. So what he was done was he became a, a drug mule without knowing. Um, so it was kind of the story around um, how he was making the money around it. He was able to pay for his granddaughter's wedding. Um, he was able to um, buy a pub or sorry, a social club that was being closed down and all of that. And it went down. Um, actually, I'm trying to think of his name. He was in um, uh, the Hangover and um, A Star Is Born. I'm trying to think. Bradley Cooper. Name. Bradley Cooper. Yeah, he's the DEA agent in it as well, and it's definitely worth checking out. I don't know if it's on Netflix or that, but if you could uh, look up, see if it's on streaming services or that, it's definitely worth. It's kind of the kind of the Breaking Bad style in a film that kind of thing only he's the the drug mule and the second one is i'm going back to classic 70s music again and um elo uh, electric light orchestra and mr blue sky it was out of their 1977 out of the blue album 
and I just I don't think you could get a better band than ELO being honest and Mr. Blue Sky the instrumental at the end of it is just unbelievable like so yeah they be my picks this week and album out of the blue is terrific as well yeah ELO are uh, definite a uh, big favourite of mine as well um just have so many kind of good songs. Um, I love a telephone line as well. I don't know if you know that one. I do, yeah. Yeah, I know they're definitely on my Spotify, um, even though I don't use Spotify. What's the it's a title I use, sorry. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I know you just can't beat them. And it just, do you know why I don't think those bands, I mean, the likes of the Beatles, ELO, um, I mean, it's it's just, it was a different style, like. It really was. They were just kind of pure rockers where kind of the boy bands now are kind of just, I don't know, they're kind of love island of the music industry, some of them. Yeah, I suppose with a lot of it is like pre-MTV. So when it yeah. came to the MTV era, you know, it was, you didn't only have to play really good music, but you had to look great and maybe dance and, you know, have a story and all that sort of stuff. Um, even if you... Uh, you know Toto, this the band that sing Africa. Yeah, yeah. Like they're I'm... just they're just a bunch of regular guys. <laughs> you know, when you think they'd be like superstar rock stars, but they're just kind of regular. They just look like like seventies kind of dads playing music, and I suppose that's one thing that kind of MTV has kind of enshrined that you have to be both good looking as well uh, to get like you know hit music or get a recording contract and stuff. Yeah, it kind of, and I won't drag on, but it's like when I had to rant about sampling and music, it's just, I mean, it's just, it, to have the ability to come up with um, the lyrics and the music to songs and just be pure rockers, like, I mean, the likes of Bruce Springsteen and all of that, you could never, I mean, you look at the fame that One Direction have, and fair play to him, and Niall Horn and all of that, great credit to him and all of that, but you couldn't put, the likes of One Direction in the same category as um, the likes of Bruce Springsteen, Toto, ELO or anyone like that. It's just completely different. But yet, the likes of One Direction would have selling more records. So that's... it's. It, I'm getting old, Robbie. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> just ransom out. Uh, uh, new music and stuff. Um, yeah, so... For good picks there, so for my picks of the week, uh, I'm going to go with a kind of a trilogy, which is, uh, I don't know if you've seen Unbreakable, it's like the M. Night Shyamalan kind of ones, where it's like Unbreakable, and then there's the movie Splish, um, and then there's Glass, which is, so it's like Unbreakable is like the first movie, and then it follows up with uh, Splish, and then it goes into the, the final film, which is Glass. Uh, so it's kind of like psychological thriller with kind of supernatural kind of stuff thrown in as well. Oh, um, yeah, so kind of quite weird uh, kind of stuff going on. It's on Disney Plus on the star, not on the, the regular Disney stuff for the kids or whatever. Uh, yeah, so pretty, especially um, Splish is quite an intense movie. Uh, it's He has like lots of different personalities and he changes between personalities and Basically, when he changes personalities, he can change like the, the his strength and all sorts of different things like that. So, yeah, quite weird kind of uh, films, but a great trilogy nonetheless. And my next pick is kind of a YouTube thing that I just kind of stumbled across on Friday. 
which one of my previous picks was uh, Patrice O'Neill. He was an American comedian. He's dead now. But he had like a segment he used to do on radio in New York and someone has uploaded the audio onto uh, YouTube and it's basically him giving relationship advice. Uh, now, just a quick note that I do not stand over any of his relationship advice. I just think it's really, really funny. <laughs> so he just kind of follows on with the with the, the comedy element. And then, so he's basically giving relationship advice to guys and it's hilarious. And then sometimes he has uh, kind of women ringing in, uh, just giving him loads of shit back and, you know, saying how much of a misogynist and all the sort of stuff he is now. It's <laughs> Pure comedy, that's all I would take out of it. I wouldn't take any practical relationship advice, so just a caveat there. If anyone thinks they want to solve their relationship, uh, listening to him. But uh, it's it's brilliant comedy, and uh, I urge you to check it out. Just get it on, uh, on YouTube there. Yeah, I know, definitely, that sound. I, would you believe I spend the vast majority of the time that I'm on the internet on YouTube, I just think steadily like it's... Yeah. Um, so many quality things on there. Yeah, I know, definitely. And yeah, I know, it, it isn't that great yet until we go on to it. <laughs> That's true, yeah. we got to go there soon. So we're going to move on to soccer. Um, so semi-finals coming up uh, of the Euros. Did you catch any of the quarterfinal games? Yeah, I, I watched, uh, i say, about 20 minutes of the Spain-Switzerland game um, before training on Friday, and I watched the penalty shootout. Um, yeah, I talked Switzerland were very unlucky um, to go out. I mean, Spain, their, prog- their progress through, but they're, they're very vulnerable. Uh, maybe it's unfair, but you cannot judge them with the team that was so successful um, about a decade ago. Um, Italy and Belgium, I, I, ju- I think Italy would be the dark horses. I, I mean, well, not dark horses anymore, I but... They they wouldn't have been the favourites for the tournament, but they could go on. I'd love to see uh, an Italy Denmark final. I won't lie to you; I'd just be terrific. I I I know England is the home of soccer, but you just have to respect Italian football. I know the corruption and all of that went on; they kind of damaged. But um, it's just going back to the nineties where you had um Italian football on of a Tuesday night, like it was just brilliant. Um, do you think having the games in Wembley is kind of a, a big plus for England? Yeah, I mean it's it's nearly a home tournament for him. It genuinely is the worst aspect about it, and I'm not going to go on the rant. The England, oh, who did they play last? Sorry, not Ukraine. The Ukraine. Game before, the, uh, sorry, before Ukraine, England and Germany. Germany sorry, um, that should have been in the Viva Stadium. And if that game was in the Aviva Stadium, you'd kind of wonder, like, you'd kind of wonder would... Now, I know great credit to England, and, I mean, they they haven't conceded a goal yet in the championship, so they have to be taken serious. And like I was saying it numerous times before, since the championship starts, if you're supporting English teams, it's hypocritical that you don't support them representing their county, but still in saying that... You'd love to see him losing. So, <laughs> are we are we a bit bitter in this country? Are we a bit kind of too bitter? You know, I know there was kind of people talking about the Irish commentators. Um, I think George Hamilton was quite. Um, people were saying kind of disrespectful when England went four 0 up. He was kind of like you know, 
kind of almost wanting the game just to be over. You know, he wasn't as professional maybe as he would have been with another team. Um, do you think we're just kind of very bitter in this country over England doing well? I, I, there's a couple of aspects that you could look at it. You could look at the the political aspect that's going on currently at the moment, or you could look back on the history, and I, I won't go into that. I think the biggest gripe that Irish supporters have against England is the media hype. I mean, they haven't won a major tournament since 1966. Maybe, maybe it's kind of a bit of begrudgery as well because England only missed what one tournament, um, and that was a few year ago before Southgate came in. So, I mean, and, and now they may have missed ones before, but I, I genuinely can't think or wouldn't have heard, but. I think it's the media hype around it. I, I genuinely do, and I think that's slightly begrudgery. But then you have the other aspect that's looking at kind of the 800 years and all of that were kind of gone long. <laughs> Small factor there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're, you're going for Italy-Denmark final, or do you think that's just what you want, or who you're predicting is going to make it to the final? Um, I, I, I'd fancy Italy over Spain. Um, sorry, the other one, uh, Denmark over Czech Republic. Denmark are just a team in the tournament. Um, sorry, but the semi-finals, Italy versus Spain. I, I, you'd have to fancy Italy against Spain because um, Italy are just kind of the workhorse. Being honest, they they're not doing anything magical, but they're getting the results. Like and Spain with all the class that they have, they're just kind of hiccuping at the moment. I think. Denmark could give England the right rattle. I really do. And a team that has kind of... Um, like the incident with Ericsson. I mean, it it's just that will bide up the team so much. And I would not be one bit surprised if Denmark maybe got it over. Uh, now, I'm not saying it will happen. It's kind of head over heart there, but... Yeah, it'd be a dream to see a Denmark Italy final. They 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 done it before. They won in ninety two, did they? Yeah, they won ninety two. Yeah, with uh, Peter Schmeichel, and I think they had some other guys, good guys in there as well. So, Obviously, if they won the tournament. <laughs> well, if you look back to the time Greece won it and um, Portugal as well, they wouldn't have been kind of fancy. They were kind of the workhorses of it. So yeah, I mean, you wouldn't put your house on it. You'd kind of have to say your your head would say England beat Denmark, but hard to be and I think it'll be a really tough game it won't be a 4-0 one anyway it may be a game that'll go to extra time or penalties again but yeah I'd fancy it's the same again I kind of I think it'd be a great game Italy and Spain but maybe Italy could have the edge there with the they have a better record going into that semi-final yeah uh, hopefully you get some good games anyway it's not worse than watching the boring games with Extra time and nothing happens until penalties. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll move on to our next topic. So we've kind of mentioned, kind of touched on kind of um, performance enhancing drugs and stuff in sport, uh, kind of today and previously in the podcast. So I was just kind of, I was kind of a story in the news. There was that there was a transgender woman who won a beauty pageant, uh, Miss Nevada in the USA, and you know, obviously. The fact that she's transgender doesn't really mean anything in terms of the like the result or whatever. But like in terms of surgery, just as a general topic, uh, got me thinking: is surgery uh, a perform like a 
a form of performance enhancing in the beauty competitions and is that something that they should probably maybe uh, insist on maybe like a natural where no one has had any sort of alterations to their body or what do you think on that do you think it's unfair to people if someone has had loads of surgery and other people are competing naturally per se uh you're kind of after stumping me here i won't lie i genuinely <laughs> don't know um i i i do kind of see i i do agree with your point that it does come across as kind of performance enhancing literally like the, it's enhancements um it's it kind of makes back and maybe i shouldn't get personal on this but um before i went on kind of weight loss program i went on and lost weight i did i would have taken the surgery to try and get it down and now there's kind of a great personal satisfaction that you kind of done it yourself. So, I mean, it, it, it's a tricky one because you could kind of look at it as the the person that was born with the talent compared to the person that kind of worked it up, in a sense, if that makes sense. I mean, some people were just born beautiful and the perfect body and all of that, and others just weren't blessed with it. And um could you look at it kind of being born perfect or kind of from the outside looking that you are born perfect it could that be kind of looked at as kind of a what would you say an unfair advantage when it comes to these competitions or is that complete bullshit what i'm saying it's I know I I genuinely don't know Robbie I I, I can see like in other words it's a bit like paying someone to sit and do the leaving cert for you I think getting uh, surgery to enter beauty competitions being honest because you're you're you kind of have done fair advantage but some people may not have been blessed with it and they need help kind of way they need that little bit of enhancement to kind of get um, a kind of a level playing field i i don't know i'm kind of trying to not say anti anything controversial but i i genuinely don't know robbie i really don't so. i was just thinking like that you know say hypothetically if someone wins i haven't had surgery and then the the message that kind of goes down the line to the younger competitors um but you could use the same analogy for drugs and sport like, i got this person used drugs and they won so then i I need to do that in order for me to win. You know, this person had surgery and they won the competition. So then are the younger, like, you know, both uh, kind of males and females looking at that being like, you know, I need to, we're kind of talking about the Instagram body image and all that sort of stuff. Is it creating, you know, too much pressure on like young people who want to kind of get into these competitions, you know, maybe to to get, get a leg up in life, having kind of won the competition, get themselves out there, up their public profile, but they're thinking maybe the only way I can do this is if I, you know, get surgery or something. Do you think it could be causing a lot of pressure on younger people as well? Oh, definitely. And I mean, with every aspect of surgery as well, there are risks associated with it as well. I mean, the chances of any adverse effects may be slim, but still, and there are dangers there as well. I mean, it's, I think the likes of those competitions are gone beyond their sell-by date, being honest, Robbie. I think it's just... um. I mean, it's very saying, oh, it's easy on die and all of that, but that's, you'd be, but I, I, I just think we're kind of gone beyond that. I know we're kind of on about woke last week and all of that, and 
snowflakes and kind of that but i i just think these competitions are gone beyond i mean it's even a cringe sometimes when you see the likes of the rosa trolley i mean it's great tours for area and all of that but i mean is it kind of gone beyond its sell-by date as well like is it kind of like the the parody of the the lovely girls competition in Father Ted? Is it kind of like just that to you know that was obviously you know extreme sort of parody of that situation? But is that essentially kind of what it is? Oh yeah, I know definitely. It re- it really genuinely is. But I mean, they're not going to stop because the money that's in it is unbelievable. Like, I mean, it's it's. I, I don't know, you'd kind of fear, I mean, there's so much pressure on young people now, I mean, it's unbelievable that it's, I mean, if if you need surgery to save your life, in other words, there are certain aspects of enhancement surgery that is completely vital, like, but there's other aspects that's just, it's just, it's just the pressure that's there, like, I mean, you look at the likes going back to the likes of love island if you're not national kind of naturally gifted in a sense that the participants and that are you're going to say here i'm going to have to get enhancements or something and i i think sending the wrong message and the likes of these beauty contests i mean there are funny films the likes of the miss congeniality and uh, what's that one with the kid um Oh, the family with the van. Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine. It's actually scary that kids, they're a competition for kids. Like, I mean, it's it's just not right. Uh, now, I don't know. They may say that there's... But one thing that there's a fierce amount, maybe that you wouldn't have enhancement or anything like that. But did you ever look at, and I know people that would have taken part. Did you see what goes into the likes of the set dancing competitions and all of that? I mean, they're... I don't know. I mean, and set dancing's terrific and all of that. I'm not slating it one bit. But, I mean, you have very young kids with, I mean, make... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just... I don't think... I think we're kind of gone beyond that stage. And I think instead of ordinary people, say, if you're looking at set dancing where they go just normal and all of that, I think the likes of that has gone kind of towards the the beauty competitions in a sense as well. So... Yeah, so kind of maybe just a bit dated and exactly. kind of looking for more, you know, skill-based uh, competitions or, you know, that sort of thing. Exactly. And I say, make just one thing clear, just if anyone was listening and think it was controversial, it's perfectly okay for adults. I Let adults do whatever they want. But if when it's going down to kids, I mean, and they're looking that they have this a certain wig or whatever, especially in all of that, or the beauty competitions with kids and all of that. It's just not right, Robbie. And it shouldn't let adults do whatever they want. But any parents that are kind of letting kids do the likes of that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with sex dancing competitions or all of that. Far from it. But it's just the the kind of the beauty aspect that's after going into it or yokes on the television I wouldn't know the first hand I would have doing dancing when I was younger in school and that but I just think anything with kids that are, that they don't think they're good enough the way they are the likes of that comp- when it comes to a beauty competition instead of a skill competition that's when things are wrong being honest yeah that's a fair point uh, so we're going to crack on uh, we're going to go through the sports roundup um, so do you want to just 
go through your experience at uh, Mount Juliet this week and with all the golf and stuff? Yeah, no, it's terrific. I won't lie. Um, when I heard the Irish Open was coming to Mount Juliet, I, I was over the moon because I would have chanted with a former work colleague and all of that. And I was saying it was a shame that they weren't any competitions in Mount Juliet. I mean, to be a personal aspect as well. Father would have working on it and all of that. I would have seen before. But um, yeah, I was actually out by the score by one. I predicted that it might be around 18 under par I'd win it. And uh, yeah, it was 19 under par from Australian um, Herbert. And it's just a terrific, it's a pity they weren't a bigger crowd. I won't lie. I mean, you're on a couple of hundred acre estate and you're limiting it to two and a half thousand. It just didn't make sense. But yes, you had... 3000 in at other yokes it just um but that's a side note on it there's a rumor that and i don't want to jinx it that it may be in mind you again next year and i think it'd be terrific for the economy if it was because if you had 40 50 thousand that it'd be great for the area and yeah it was i mean having all the big names there as well it was disappointing for the irish shane lowry finished well today he was very unlucky yesterday to go in at, uh, was he two, three under, but he he um, was six under for today. So, yeah, it was he was three under yesterday. Um, so it was, I think it would have been a perfect um, kind of thing for Shane Lowry because I think he'd be going in in the right frame of mind now for to defend the British Open taking place in two weeks. But going back, it was just terrific for Derry and you see the buzz and just praying that, uh, Main Juliet will have it again next year because it'd be just terrific for the area. Now. Yeah, fingers crossed and uh, fair play to Main Juliet for hosting the event. Just a few other things going on. Um, NBA playoffs are coming into the NBA final stage. The Milwaukee Bucks are through to the final. They're the Eastern Conference champions and they play the Western Conference champions and uh, the Phoenix Suns and it's the best of uh, Best of seven or first of four game series. So uh, that'll be very interesting to watch. Um, also, the Cup of America is going on um, at the minute. I don't know if you're tuned into that, but it's getting to the semi-final stage as well. And uh, Messi is going for his, um, trying to get to like an international tournament win, you know, to kind of maybe pull himself level with other greats in terms of having won an international competition. So Argentina are playing Colombia. And Brazil are playing Peru in the semifinals. So kind of two interesting games there. And, you know, no disrespect to Colombia or Peru, but it would be wonderful to have uh, an Argentina and Brazil uh, Copa America final. That would be a, a real classic. And also the the Lions, Lions rugby, uh, Josh Adams, he scored four tries as the Lions were kind of quite easy winners. Um, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're so far ahead of these, te- these um, you know, provincial teams or whatever that they play that it's just so easy uh, so I can't wait till they get to, to try and the bigger games when they actually play uh, South Africa and then a good win for the Irish rugby with all their obviously top players missing they beat Japan um, but quick question on that uh, Japan were kind of you know celebrated for their free-flowing style of rugby in the 2019 World Cup and Andy Farrell was kind of brought in and he was talking about doing more free-flowing offloading kind of rugby um, but it doesn't really seem to be happening. What do you think, TJ? No, it doesn't. And it's kind of concerning in a sense. Um, but in saying that, I mean, when you're missing so many of your stars as well, but um, 
I, I would have liked Farrell to kind of set his stamp a bit more on the team. And I don't think he kind of is doing it at the moment. But in saying that, that's a good win over Japan because um, Japan are a real up-and-coming nation. And I'm not saying they'd win World Cups or that, but they... They, I, I'd like to see the likes of Japan going into, say, the rugby championship or something like that. It'd be, it'd be brilliant for their development. Like, like you could see the difference that's after doing for Argentina as well. But um, yeah, no, good win, but slightly disappointing that. Now I didn't see the game, um, but judging by reports I read on that, um, we were kind of still. We're we're not really changing what we're doing at all now. Very yeah, it's kind of um, changes like. Yeah, we're kind of we're, you know, we're not the kind of free flying kind of style of rugby team uh, that Japan are, and like to a certain degree, the Japan are probably playing to their strengths because their their set piece probably isn't great, and our set piece is a lot better and. You know, these types of teams have to kind of play to their strengths and maybe our strengths is being a bit more safe and structured. Um, just to go back to the kind of Lions, just to kind of a thought that kind of came into my head. Um, wouldn't it be great if there was like a Southern Hemisphere versus Northern Hemisphere uh, game or series or something like that where you had like the best players in the Southern Hemisphere uh, facing off you know, just in like a friendly, even as a one-off game or something like that against the best of the Northern Hemisphere, like including France and all that. Do you think that's something that could be possible or you'd like to see or what are your thoughts on that? Oh, no, definitely. I think it'd be a terrific idea. I, I mean, I I watch the Lions games and I enjoy, but I, I just, it's kind of just like an all-star junket in a sense. You're getting the the best players around the likes of the idea came up but could you imagine uh even a new zealand australia south africa combination coming up against the six nations a pick from the six nations and sorry argentina as well who's in the rugby championship wouldn't that be some ties like um i mean going back to the warm-up games that the lines are playing you, you have the you have the pick of what four countries is it coming up against the club team in a sense. Now, I know clubs have players from all around. That's that's fair enough. But I, I just don't get it, being honest. And it's kind of terrible that up to the last test, the Lions didn't have a great record. They, I mean, they drew the series against New Zealand. But it's kind of... If you had kind of... Do you know the way the Barbarians are? I, I think that would be brilliant. The idea came that... You pick players from different um, kind of different countries, uh, and I think that'd be better than the lines being on. Or maybe you have the lines with France and Italy against um, the combination of the rugby championship teams. I think that'd be better, being honest. I think the lines at the moment, not taken away from it, but it's kind of a junket. Like, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah, I know. I suppose a lot of people think there's a lot of history with the lines. Um, and all that sort of stuff. But from my point of view, like all those those four nations, like Ireland, uh, England, Scotland, Wales, would all fancy their chances individually to beat South Africa, you know. So realistically, they, they shouldn't lose a tour ever, really, you know. Uh, and I know, like, 
the, the argument would be that South Africa are more of a blended team. They kind of play more together and the Lions are a bit more hastily kind of rushed together teams. That's why it kind of maybe levels the playing field a bit. But, um, you know, apart from New Zealand, they should be winning every <laughs> every Lions tour, like, you know, fairly handily, I'd say. Oh, definitely. And I mean, when you had Ireland defeat New Zealand the two times in a row, and on, uh, I, I think we drew a game as well and then lost with the last minute try as well. I mean, if uh, one country is able to do that, a small nation like Ireland, uh, you, I'd agree you'd have to expect a, a combination of the best out of five, or sorry, four countries playing just another one. I mean, um. I don't know. Maybe it's a situation that, like I'm saying, it's just a junket and they don't take it as serious. Now, for any rugby purists out there, I am not downing um, the lines at all. I love watching the games and all of that, but I I wouldn't take it serious. I kind of take it as a kind of a friendly fixture, being honest. That would be... Um, I don't think there's a huge amount of pride in it, being honest. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, cool. So we'll move on to our final topic, which is our, the highball. The highball. Uh-huh. Uh, so this is this is something I kind of seen pop up uh, more on my Instagram, but it's like a, a Facebook uh, thing. Facebook were tri- trialing uh, in the US, um, where it kind of pops up on people's uh, on the app when they open it uh, that if they know somebody who has been maybe radicalized or is kind of, you know, talking about extremist stuff and that sort of thing that, you know, to report them to Facebook. And this has only been kind of trialed in the US and I've seen people uh, just posting it on their Instagram, like screenshotting it and kind of posting it up and stuff. So, you know, just kind of the thought of like, you know, what is Facebook these days? Like, is it kind of, a social media platform or is it kind of kind of verging more into like um like in like in terms of limiting speech or is it um trying to stamp out like opposing points of view or you know what do you think is is kind of facebook moving away from what it was kind of originally designed for and you know who are facebook to judge who is an extremist or or who's not yeah, I mean, it's, I, I didn't see it, Robbie, but I mean, it's, uh, I think, I think Facebook's getting a bit too big for its boots in a slight sense. Um, I mean, if you compare it, say, to the likes of Bebo or that Bebo was kind of the fun, um, kind of the fun casual kind of thing. I mean, it was, I think it was better, but then it just got so bad and Facebook took over. I think Facebook's too powerful, being honest. I mean, there is a yoke that I wouldn't have known up to um a while ago, but it's um the that even when you're off Facebook it can track your every move. I mean, it knows where you are, it knows what you've done, it knows the apps that you are using and all of that. I mean it's that is so valuable, like. I mean, and it's people are just a commodity now. And um, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be comfortable. I won't lie with Facebook kind of, uh, the likes of Rattle, uh, I can't say it, uh, Rattle, uh, 
radicalized yeah yeah uh, thanks for <laughs> paraphrasing for me uh yeah i i mean yeah to be certain aspect like that but i mean when did you ever hear if, i mean you often hear people saying they reported something to facebook and they would never have hearing like so i don't see where to be any benefit like when it comes to the likes of instagram my account was hacked and passport or password changed everything and when I reported a fake account, the new account I got set up was deleted because they said I was impersonating myself. And yeah. so, and I submitted ID and everything which they requested passport and all of that. I mean, when they can't deal with the likes of that in a quick manner, I mean, the case with Vicky feeling, uh, Vicky feeling when her Instagram was uh, hacked. I mean, only for that went on to the national airwaves, nothing would have been done about that. So I can't see where uh, people reporting people will be kind of, they'd be more missed than they'd be kind of grabbed. Like, so, yeah, I think there's any, any of your friends you'd like to report. But, you know, straight away, lads are going to be ripping the piss doing it. Like, I mean, you yeah, look yeah. at the fraping that was going around years ago. Like, I mean, it, it, that's, you're going to get... But then to be another aspect as well where you'd have people that didn't like a person just for the sake of it. Like, I think there's more to life, Robbie, than your Facebook account being deleted or something. I, I, I just, it's um, it's kind of scary, even though I'd be one of the biggest villains with it. But it's scary how social media has kind of taken over life. Bring back the days of the 3210s or the 3310s where you'd be playing Snake in outside or kicking the ball around or whatever or god willing being able to go out for pints in the pub i mean i'm the biggest um villain doing it but how many times did you go out with friends to a pub and the vast majority of them would be on their phones like the social aspects completely gone and it's all being gone online so it's um yeah it's yeah. scary i see that kind of uh with kind of young people in my work in the gym that I, I don't know if it's just kind of maybe the age difference or whatever but they seem quite you know socially awkward yeah like you ask them a question and it's like they don't have the skills to <laughs> to interact or you know it's very like maybe this is just the way you guys are and I, I was like there's not much conversation out with lads for people my age I suppose but um yeah, I just, I just, I definitely think there's some sort of an impact from the social media kind of stuff, uh, but they don't really know how to interact with people in the real world. Um, yeah, but just as a general point, I think like that, you know, who are Facebook to be kind of doing this? It seems to be more of a a job for the proper authorities or government organizations or police or that sort of thing than for Facebook to be the judge and jury of you know who is who's an extremist or, or wash or that sort of thing. Yeah, no, it, it's kind of scary. I mean, I, I know I asked, um, it, I edited it out and rightfully when I was thinking about it after, um, but I, I think liberty is kind of being taken for granted with a lot. And I mean, when you have a social media company, um, even though it's their platform and all of that, and they completely right to do whatever they want, um, if people are willing to do it and use it, I just find it, I find it scary. 
I won't lie to you. I really do that um, a yoke that's just a bit of crack has so much power, being honest. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, bring back the days of uh, funny cat videos and, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff um, on Facebook. That's what it's really about. That's what we want to get back to. <laughs> oh, definitely. TJ, definitely. so uh, good chats, good chats as always. Uh, good debrief on the week there. So uh, hope you have a good week and uh, look forward to chatting to you again during the week. And uh, next week we'll be uh, talking more GA and probably talking about the, the Euros and all that other stuff, whatever drama pops up during the week. So good chat, Steve. Yeah, I know I enjoyed Robbie and yeah, I promise I won't be hung over next week. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's all right here. No worries. Cool, TJ. Have a good one. Same to you, Robbie. Thanks a million. Right. Enjoyed it. Take Bye. care. Good luck. Bye-bye.